Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, my host here, Jeff Lloyd, is the uh, post-game edition here with Pete Smith, uh, brought, uh, brought to you here this evening by uh, mybookie.com. Guys, as far as all the outpourings and emotion yesterday, I, I truly appreciate it. Um, it. Obviously, as anyone who's been through it or can understand, it's been a rough 24 hours. Um, luckily, the way the things are going to work this week with the events, I should be able to keep the show going. And it, it, I want to because it, it, it's going to be my little getaway here You know, while, well, while I'm dealing with you know the, the, the loss of my oldest brother, Wayne. Wayne was a good guy. He had, had a really big heart, had a lot of issues, and I'm sad to see him go, and it hurts. But to know that uh, his heart and his soul are finally at peace, it, it's it, it's a comfort for me because I'm, I'm a parent now with two kids and have to worry sometimes and think in the back of my head, you know, how is my older brother doing? How is he dealing today? It, it, it's weighing, and you know, sometimes it, you know, you end up getting disappointed by it. But you don't not disappointed by the person; you're disappointed by what they're going through. Uh, Wayne, look, uh, me, Allison, Greg, Justin, Julia, we love you, we miss you. Um, Melody, don't worry about it. She's going to be all right. She is certainly not going to be alone, so don't think about that in any way. With that being said, guys, we are going to roll along with this show because, like I said, I need to escape for a little bit. So we're going to get into this here. First things first for everybody. Oh, my God, he can't believe you lost on a 59-yard field goal in overtime. Don't get yourself in that position. Don't get yourself in that position. And we've talked about this week in and week out, and they seem to have issues when they go on the road. And, you know, that's part of something that's going to happen with young kids, whether it's good, bad, indifferent. It's stuff you're going to deal with with a young team. Uh, Pete, we're going to get into this right here. Um, I think the first part, I maybe we'll stick a little bit here on the offensive side. I think the fact what I liked is that even though it was a slow start and nothing was really looking good whatsoever in the first half, I think it showed a lot in how they came out in the second play, in the second half and were able to take advantage of, of, of the turnover, the uh, strong punt return by Jabril Peppers before his final gaffe later in the game. But I thought it showed well, and, you know, for a bunch of young guys, but to realize, hey, we're not out of it. We're only, you know, down 14 points. Here's some breaks in our hand. No excuses. Let's go get ours. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing you can genuinely love about this team is how bad they clearly, all the players on this team, want to win. They never give up. I mean, we can talk about you know, last week and everything that went off there. I think so much more of that was exhaustion than anything else. But this is like the third different game, maybe fourth different game, where they've been down and fought back in, down multiple scores uh, to get to overtime and then lose. I mean, the the, the focus is going to be more on the fact that they keep allowing themselves to be in position where they have to, to try to win games like this where they're down so much. But it is a credit to what they have in this young team and some of the players they've added and, and, and what they're trying to do that they do have this many guys who are willing to compete to the very end and, and try to dig out a win when when it when uh, for for the umpteenth time this season already it felt like the game was already over before it uh, before the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I agree, do agree with you there. But, you know, the turnovers and another fantastic job by the defense. And, look, Jamie Swinston, he, this is part of his M.O., he will turn over the ball a lot. So, between positions. Uh, Peppers, uh, you know, with the uh, his punt return. <coughs> Jarvis Landry with the big dive over the middle. Ten receptions, almost 100 yards for Jarvis Landry today. Starting to look a little bit more comfortable, Pete. And maybe it's because we're starting to see Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry run routes that Jarvis Landry normally used to win in. I thought the first two and a half quarters he was pretty, uh, you know, ineffective. Uh, you had a couple of sort of dink. I, I actually liked when they, when they came out in the first quarter 
and got some quick passes that moved the ball a little bit. That, uh, I like that. Uh, but then it was really quiet. But, uh, you know, the the last three drives in regulation, he was everything you could have wanted out of him. He was great. He made a couple of big plays, uh, uh, you know, a t- tough catches. And then obviously, you know, his 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 the finisher was that uh, that low catch where he rolls in and reaches into the end zone, uh, which was a difficult catch on its face. And then, you know, getting in the end zone as opposed to being stopped on the one where the Browns had just been stopped uh, the possession before, uh, you know, that was fantastic. And, and, and you know, that that just I, – I, that was sort of the the representation of the effort and drive and will and everything that this team is sort of showing. But, you know, it's a shame. It's a – you know, this was a great you know, second half, great game – for him, and ultimately, it, it's not enough to 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 make it happen. I think, in a lot of ways, part of the reason Jarvis Landry is so frustrated is because when he does make plays, it's not winning plays. They're 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 big plays and losing efforts. I can kind of agree with that, and from where you're saying, but you know, was part today crucial? Um, you know, Callaway obviously had his big play. Um, David Najoku, yeah, another week where you're starting to see some, you know, good production, three receptions, 52 yards, touchdown, uh, you know, the, the almost like the uh, tight end arrow route he, he ran was very nice, um, you know, big reception, and uh, Baker did this a couple times today, uh, he did it to the Landry, Landry on the one drive, did it to Najoku, saw an advantage, put the ball high, his guys went up there and made plays for him, which I think was... Pretty impressive uh, the way the guys were able to put that together today for Baker and for him to take those chances by you know putting those balls up there where only his guys can get them. They were able to do it. Uh, now, uh, obviously, guys, show-wise, we never got into anything on Carlos Hyde and the trade on Friday. Um, did it come in at a weird time? Yeah, it probably came at a weird time. I'd say a Friday where it broke. It was, it was probably you know just an odd one. Um, you know, from people I've spoken with, th- th- there was the plan was already in place that Nick Chubb was was going to get some serious run here Sunday. Um, Jacksonville had uh, called and offered. Um, yeah, I think they were very happy with the value of a fifth round pick, realizing that you know he was going to now be third fiddle. So they took the pick, moved on, and we got to see Char- uh, Carl, uh, Nick Chubb here today. Obviously, you know, first extended action uh, looked solid, ran well. You, you, Pete, it's noticeable the burst. It's it's noticeable the cutting ability. And, you know, the, the 21-yard run, I mean, I think a lot of people don't underestimate that the last almost nine nine or ten yards of it, he was pretty much, you know, being contacted on the entire part, uh, part of that run. So impressive effort for Nick Chubb and, and what we as fans, well, most of us at least, <laughs> the smart ones at least, are finally happy to see that they're, they're rolling with a guy that they had a first-round value on and they were thrilled to get a 37. Yeah, I love the trade. I absolutely love it. Everything about it is fantastic. This was the dream scenario when they picked up Hyde, that they'd sort of get whatever veteran presence, leadership, whatever in the running break room. He comes in, he gives them a little, you know, how-to and all that stuff, how to be a pro, and they get a little bit of use out of him, in this case too much use out of him, and they get something for a guy who was not going to be here next year. It was a fifth-round pick for duct tape for Jacksonville. And the, as a result, the Browns get the guys they should have had on the field the whole time. And no surprise, Nick Chubb is better. And it's not that Carlos Hyde is a terrible running back, but the difference between Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde is Carlos Hyde fights for those tough yards, and he could do you know down near the end goal line that type of stuff. He's great. Chubb can do all that, but he's got that extra threat 
where he's always a guy you're a, you know if you're a defense who can make a big play, who can suddenly splash for a big one. He breaks tackles on every run. There are a couple of runs where he got knocked like three yards in the backfield, mm-hmm. had to fight just to get back to the line of scrimmage, and then at some point he's going to break one, and he broke that 21-yarder, and it felt like you know they, they got out. I think that was his last run or second to last run of the game. It felt like he was ready to sort of really to take that take that next step and pre- potentially break a big one. But no one's talking about Nick Chubb's pass blocking in this game. Why? They didn't ask him to, which was the lamest excuse you could possibly have. <laughs> They'd send him out on routes. They'd have Duke Johnson be the pass blocker. Whatever it was, they had a better, more dangerous tandem of running backs on the field and got an asset for it. And and to me, this does not reflect well on Hugh Jackson and, and uh, Todd Haley that <laughs> they got better by trading a guy they were riding so much. So I, I have been critical of of some of the trades made by Dorsey. I, I you know I love the Demarius Randall trade. I think that one has paid massive dividends. But for the most part, I think he's been willing to sort of settle for a very low value on some of these things. This is a great trade. This is what great trades look like. This is a team that needs every asset it can get as they try to open up this four-year window and become a you know a, go from a a bad team to suddenly a team with a huge future. It's everything you want out of this, and and this is the type of stuff that it's a small trade that you probably won't think about you know when you're looking at sort of his legacy. But these are trades that make a huge difference, and you're sitting there going, well, what's a fifth-round pick worth? good for maybe it's nothing but maybe it's Jannard avia richard higgins those are p- players or you trade up and use it for something else to get a player you really like but you can't do anything with nick chubb no offense to him jacksonville will get some use out of him and the bronze are better off and dontrell hilliard did some nice things as a kick returner yep and you know hilliard i think there's he's a guy they like in that role i mean because and then the other thing now is as much as you guys said oh well nick chubb can't pass block but once you move carlos hyde to running back three he can't play special teams and you usually need a third running back to play some special teams. Uh, I thought Nick effort, Nick's effort was very impressive. Uh, the fourth and one on the goal line, that aggravated me. I would have given the ball to Nick Chubb. Uh, love Baker Mayfield. Love the QB sneak. I'm just not sure Baker's the guy. You, you truly want to be going with that. Uh, offensive line here and a couple things more. Baker Mayfield. Uh, the long run, absolutely fantastic. Um, Baker, you ain't got to flip the ball to the dude. I know the dude hits you in the head. I get it. You're pissed. You're fired up, dude. Don't get yourself in a position. And the other thing is, once somebody thinks that you maybe took a shot to the head and you come back chirping hard, they're thinking about doing it again. And one other thing before I let T- Pete talk about the offensive line, because uh, the offensive line, Baker, you got to throw some of these balls away, dude. I mean, you got to start realizing that your offensive line isn't getting it done and don't take sacks in your rookie year that you don't need to take. Yeah, one of the hardest things for a quarterback to learn at any level is get out of bad plays and be willing to sort of uh, live with a live with a play that's not going to be there. Fight to play the next down. And you look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I'm fairly sure he blows the field away in terms of just throwing balls thrown away. Uh, like Pro Football Focus charts this, and I think it's crushing everybody. Um, and he does, and, and not only you know there there are some times where he makes some plays when he holds onto the ball and does some things. Like one of the Jarvis Landry plays, uh, I think that 20-yarder was one of those. But the, the the other part of this is he takes a lot of hits he shouldn't, uh, and you're wor- you're always worried that you know the, the one hit he's going to take is the one hit you you don't want to see him take uh, in terms of getting injured. Uh, but I, I do think part of this is is the Browns' offense has been so poor 
that there's a, a sense that he feels like at times you feel you see what looks like a superhero mentality where if you know he gets the ball in his hands and it's it's if I don't make this play nobody's going to and and that's something they got to get out of and part of that's going to be him maturing as quarterback part of that's going to be guys being more consistent as playmakers and being more reliable uh, and part of that's just going to be getting more talent on this team and and those are things you got you you have to see from offensive line wise their tackles can't play dead they just cannot do it I'm so tired of hearing about how. Desmond Harrison's going to you know, go in the offseason. He's going to put a bunch of muscle and all this other stuff. At 25. <laughs> At 25. Uh, he's a guy who hopefully he will not have a substance abuse issue. I don't think – I don't know if he ever had an actual you know, addiction or anything, but this is something that has cost him in the past. He did it, got popped at the combine, got kicked out of Texas for it. Nothing about this guy is reliable. I would love him as a swing tackle. He costs nothing. It's a great find for Dorsey and company, even if he's just a swing tackle. Uh, you hope he you know, gets stronger and becomes a more functional player that could be long-term. But you cannot ba- bank your future on that whatsoever. And the, other, the flip side, Chris Hubbard, far and away Dorsey's worst signing. Not even close. He's been absolute <laughs> garbage at right tackle. He gets beaten up every week and they cannot get any any uh any kind of pocket because so often these two guys are getting shoved into baker mayfield's lap and when he's trying to extend plays there's no real room for him and he ends up getting sacked and some of that's on him and a lot of that's on the offensive line and and what's really worrying about particularly the right tackle in that case is because he's a right-handed quarterback you're worried about somebody sticking a hand in there and knocking the ball out and potentially causing turnovers, but you know it's it wasn't Gerald McCoy, an interior guy. JPP had a big game, but it was guys like Carl Nassib, <laughs> and it was guys like William Golston. It wasn't starters. It wasn't Vinnie Curry out there. It was these depth guys who were pushing the Browns' tackles around, and the Browns have to go play the Steelers next week, and then have to play the Chiefs the following week. It's not going to get better. And obviously, they have to live with this for what they have now. There's no quick fix. But you cannot seriously have a conversation where you're expecting these two guys to be your starting tackles next year. It's just not remotely realistic. This is And, and Dorsey, I, I do not see a scenario where he's going to sit on his hands here. Chris Hubbard has a contract, which I believe you can get out of after this year, like almost all of his signings. He takes offensive linemen everywhere he's gone uh, early and often. He's not afraid to take guys who can be depth and develop. And, and you look at guys like Mitch Morse and, and Lawrence Turday, whatever, the Canadian doctor guy uh, <laughs> with the Chiefs, and taking a guy like Cam Irving. He didn't make that trade, but you know, just taking those guys, they're willing to put on the roster uh, and develop and let them sort of figure themselves out. That's what's going to have to happen. Joel Petonio could conceivably, and I, I really think should be a – major part of that planning process because if you upgrade the le- a guard in the draft, you're going to have an extra guard or Corbett steps in at guard. You're going to have Petonio potentially being able to go left tackle. Then you're only looking at right tackle. But I think they're going to be huge, uh, proactive guy, a, a proactive team in terms of trying to deal with this because you do have this franchise quarterback who's been outstanding, even if he's making uh, a lot of rookie mistakes that you hope he grows from that you're not going to sit here and go 
we've got a franchise quarterback. We're betting it on two guys who clearly cannot do the job. And the other thing um, with that is is where your money is allocated. I mean, you obviously have the rookie on the uh, you have the the quarterback on the rookie contract. There's really only one guy at skill position wise who makes a large amount of loot. The rest of the guys don't make much. So you should invest in the offensive line. And then look, I mean, if it's going to come down to keeping a skill player over your your fifth or sixth offensive line, you make those decisions then. But right now, there's, I mean, look, you couldn't do it last year. We agree. There wasn't the options to do it. But now this is it could possibly be your biggest focal point is getting this offensive line right, whether it's through free agency, whether you're first-round pick or whether you're second-round pick. you got to, I mean, you're probably looking at, right now I'd say two tackles. Desmond Harrison could be part of the situation and maybe be in a competition for a job next year, but I don't know you can guarantee him one right now where you realize Baker Mayfield is your best offensive player and he must be protected at all costs. Guys, um, ever since I've taken another show, you know people want to ask advice and talk about things. They want betting advice. We all know it. You guys know it. You know the ad. Uh, MyBookie.com. Um, what I'm going to tell you is use them because who you're going to bet with is even more than who you're betting on. Uh, MyBookie.com has been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is simple and easy to use. Guys, trust me here. They're going to be your best bet this season. Uh, I, uh, currently, MyBookie.com is slammed with prospective new customers. Make an account after 7 p.m. Eastern. They will give you a free $25 just for doing that. So they're going to give you that. But also they're going to give you the standard of when you make your initial deposit, they will match it 100%. So $50, you get $100, you get $25 from them. If you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern time, $125. It only costs you $50 to get in. Um, uh, locked on. Uh, Lockdown 25, capital L, capital O. Lockdown 25 is, uh, you, you know, the word there, uh, the keyword there to get yourself to the, uh, the discount. Um, go ahead, visit mybookie.com today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. Mybookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. Now, Peter, we're going to flip it to the other side. And this is one here, Pete, and I think us collectively, I remember the old wrestler Barry Horowitz used to bat himself right in the back of the shoulders before he went out and lost because he was a jobber. Emmanuel Agba! Not bad, huh? Yeah, I, I I pray that this is an indication that he's he's healthy. He's getting because he was he was a stud. He was an absolute stud today, more so than than maybe anyone else on the defensive line. I think. Well, you, maybe you I think do- I think Miles, you just expect what you're going to get to see Ogba almost kind of go like you know cut for cut for him today. It was like all right, now here it is. Yeah, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. Miles Garrett had a great game. He had the two <laughs> sacks uh, and all that. But I just think in a general impact sense, there, I, you just had this feeling. And it's it's because of the way Ogba plays. He wants to go inside uh, as opposed to going around the edge, which is what Garrett does. So when he does that, oftentimes he ends up in a position where he can sort of get in the way and do stuff. And he's become a guy who's got an incredible knack for tipping passes. And he had... It, I think three in this game. He had a sack. He should have had another one, if not for a bad penalty call. Actually, they gave him uh, credit for a sack and a half. They split Ogunjobi's with him. So I mean, you, this in a lot of ways, and Ogunjobi had a relatively quiet game. It wasn't, you know, he had a, he had a nice play at the end out there. But this is sort of what you were hoping to see this year. In that last year, they played three. Ogba and Garrett played three point five games together. I, they had six sacks. They play one game together where it appears Ogba is, you know, at the, you know, functionally 
healthy where he's feeling like Emmanuel Ogba and they split 3.5 sacks. Should have been 4.5 sacks. This was always the thing where you were sitting there going, man, this could be really good. And, and there's always been something that's sort of gotten in the way. And, and, and hopefully this lasts. But you add in Ogunjobi, you add in Jannard Avery, you add in these other things. Trevon Coley is, a, is a sort of a, 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 a small spot guy. He should really be a rotational defensive tackle, but he's doing stuff. So you just look at all these things and go, oh, man, how good this, can this be? And, and I think uh, I, I despise Jameis Winston, but I give him all the credit in the world and how many sacks he wriggled out of. It looked like the Browns playing the Steelers and not being able to land that final blow on Ben Roethlisberger that I've seen for over a decade. That's what it felt like in this, and, and, and clearly it seemed like Jameis might might have bitten off more he could chew at the end uh, with the two sacks he took, but just so often he was able to wriggle out, either make a throw or run, and and that that just became such a frustration. But this is, you know, the, the as the Browns get the Steelers again, hopefully that Ogba's, this is who Ogba, this Ogba's back, and we could just sit there and enjoy seeing guys on both sides consistently come, become a problem. One hundred percent. And look, and and I think what you saw with the batted passes is he's got confident in the foot, the ankle, uh, to get off the ground like that. Obviously, he had the roughing the passer. I mean, nothing you can do there. I mean, you're going to land. You just try to be careful and not hit him. He did, but uh, you know, you saw the explosion there. I mean, he was high up in the air, came down, and I mean, drew the fifteen yards, which sucks. But getting to see this guy starting to get confidence in that he can move like he used to, it's nice to see because he's a key cog of it. Linebacking core here today, uh, Christian Kirksey, two turnovers. Uh, Jamie Collins, a turnover. Jannard Avery, a turnover. A nice day when you can get four turnovers out of your linebacking core, Pete. Yeah, and, and uh, <coughs> look, Jamie Collins deserves a lot of the criticism he gets. Uh, it, it's it's warranted. But he he's the one guy on this defense who just has a knack for being able to get under the quarterback and sort of slip in under those things where – the quarter, he just disappears, you know, on, on those underneath pla- passes, and just finds a way to sort of read the quarterback's eyes and get him to convince. He's been doing this since the preseason. He's had a couple of these. Uh, you got one out of him that was big. Chris Kirksey had a great game back in the middle, uh, and 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 you know, you're certainly going to get questions now about how he, you know, maybe he should really be the middle linebacker again or something. I'm hoping that when Schober comes back, that Kirksey's going to keep playing like this because he obviously had the, the, the interception he had was incredible. Like, linebackers aren't supposed to be able to do that. Few guys can. And then obviously had the fumble recovery. Uh, just, you know, a big time game. And, and, and it felt like, you know, because of the way Jameis Winston plays, you know, he's always on a knife's edge where you're always thinking, oh, he, this, you know, he could come back and make a big interception. And, and, and it, like the one throw he made in overtime where it looked like he threw sort of a lollipop, I I was thinking, oh, man, somebody's going to swoop under this and, and six to end the game. Uh, it wasn't quite enough, but, but here's what I will tell you about the defense. In basically almost five quarters, they held the Bucks to their lowest they point total of the season. The defense did more than enough to win this game. This game comes down to offense and particularly offense in the first half not being able to do enough. You knew this was going to be a game where you needed a ton of points and you couldn't get any in the first half. You're relying on a safety uh, and, a, and a critical turnover by Mayfield at the end and just overall being ineffective. Uh, defense did more than enough. People probably criticize it for sort of wilting at the end uh, with that big completion. But again, I, I thought 
You know, we talked about it last week. I thought fatigue was a huge factor in the Chargers game. I think they bounced back and had a really impressive game despite giving up plays to an explosive offense. And, and of course, now they have another overtime, so that we're going to have even more of this fatigue carryover. But, you know, what you wanted to see out of the defense you got, they bounced back, had a great game on the road. It just wasn't enough. The offense didn't do enough. Well, and that's where you come back to, again, the, uh, you know, getting stopped on fourth and one on the goal line. Uh, look, I mean, I understand, you know, the, the false start at Ledger, you were going from the 11, but still, uh, you know, fourth and one, look, I mean, if you're showing Nick Chubb's going to be your guy there, that's the, that's the spot. You give it to him. That's what he's here for. So, you know, and then guys, you don't even end up giving up Tampa Bay 26 points. And obviously the stats are even lower because you would have eventually, you would have won that game there in regular, and, you know, obviously you would have won it in the fourth quarter and you wouldn't have had to go on time, your fourth overtime guy, game in seven which is just insane. And, you know, like we said, some of the guys on defense are getting played way too, way too much as it is. And now here it's another week where it's, it's they play too much, and now they also got to play, a, you know, a fifth quarter. So it's always By the way, we, we, we were talking about it before the show, before we, we, we jumped on the air. I give whoever came up with it, we're not sure if it was Greg Williams or whatever, a ton of credit yes. for being creative with Demarius Randall playing corner, Breon Bowdy Calhoun, who, by the way, can play football, a uh, pretty good player at free safety, uh, and, and and sort of not making it so T.J. Carey had to be that boundary corner. I think that was a huge p- positive. I didn't think of it. Uh, Carey, uh, Randall obviously has uh, experience at, at corner, even though he's been great at free safety this year. Uh, but that that was a big, big-time move. Uh, hopefully they get gains back quickly. But – you know, and I'm sure that you know if you go through the tape, there's going to be situations where where they got gashed because of it. But I really liked what I saw from the Browns being able to sort of I'm hesitant to say this, adapt to their talent <laughs> in a game situation, and then uh, I think it helped them. I think it I think it helped them quite a bit. So I, I'm curious to see if they can you know dare I say, growth from Greg Williams if they can build on this and keep going uh, and, and be able to keep putting a, a, a product on the field. Because I, I don't know of anyone who didn't sit there going, oh, man, we're going to have T, you know, TJ Carey out there on the boundary against either Deshaun Jackson or Mike Evans, and they're going to get absolutely torched. And DJX didn't have a catch in this game at all. That's pretty good. Now, Chris Godwin had a hell of a game uh, my first rated receiver out of that draft i'm just saying but you know mike evans did not kill you in this game it was guys like adam humphreys and oj howard and 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 those type of guys so you know from a defensive schematic standpoint i think the browns did more than you know what you would hope for and again it just wasn't enough but i really i really applaud the defensive staff on, on on the game uh game planning they did this 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 week Yes. Um, now, look, if you're going to look and you're going to go look at Jameis's numbers, yeah, it's 365. But you got to realize, you know, most of that fourth quarter and then obviously all the overtime, I mean, you're pretty much just strictly passing mode, trying to pick up some chunk plays here. So, you know, if it ended, you know, within regulation, I mean, you're talking closer to about a 300 even. And again, it's it, it was a yeoman's play. And, you know, me and Pete were teasing. I mean, I don't know if maybe the guy who, you know, comes in and cleans the carpets left his phone open and somehow they figured out to switch to Marius Randall there. I, me, I would have just been hesitant because I knew what I had from him at free safety. But, uh, you know, Mike Evans, for the most part, look, Mike Evans is a tough cover. I mean, you keep him in front of him, and he was able to do that. He was able to funnel him to the sidelines on a couple incomplete passes. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Body Calhoun, 10 solo tackles today. Um, look, I mean, yeah, he got burned by Juju Smith uh, probably almost, what, seven weeks ago now? Juju Smith burns a lot of people um, for him to get banished. Like, 
Got we're going to hear about we're going to hear about it cuz uh, Mike Evans apparently had 7 catches for 107 yards. I'm just going to say it was a very quiet 107 yards. As quiet as 107 yards as you're going to get. Uh he's a guy who's going to get his and they didn't get killed by it. Yep, and there were no touchdowns that went along with it. Uh, Body Calhoun, it was fantastic. I mean, the coverage was there. Passed, uh, you know, obviously ten solo tackles. Uh, you know, broke up a pass. Uh, and the other thing is, is what you got to see is, is he looked confident. And it, it sucks when you're a player that makes a mistake and you kind of get banished for it because look, everybody makes mistakes. And there's a lot of guys on this team who weren't losing playing time for making mistakes. It was weird that you know, uh, BBC got you know basically you know dropped from the rotation for the time being as he was because of that. Um, but look, now it's it's a positive. You get EJ Gaines back. Here is one more guy in the secondary who they desperately need guys in the secondary who now you have confidence to call his number. Um, and, and look, maybe if you're not even totally sold on EJ Gaines, as much as you love Demarius Randall at free safety, maybe now you're going to look at it and say, he can do this. You know, do we like him better here or do we like him better here? Which would put then put, you know, Demarius Randall back at free safety. There's a lot to work with there, and, and just very interesting. And look, and yes, what, to give someone credit, it, and it's rare, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's something in the air with the moving on from Hyde on Friday, maybe somewhere over it just woke up in the defensive room. Well, here's something we could really do that some guys have mentioned and we think it might work So in the room or whatever, but Demarius Randall, you know, fantastic job. And the guy's been a solid rock star to think, you know, the acquisition for him, Deshaun Kaiser, and that's, you know, as... Pete was mentioning, you know, Chris Hubbard being one of John Dorsey's worst moves. You know, if, if you want to go not just by drafting Baker, because it's kind of not really fair, uh, you want to go one of his best moves, hands down, is probably going to be, you know, Demarius Randall. Oh, give up Deshaun Kaiser for this guy who is in, in in many ways transformed the defense. And it's not to say he's a superstar, but just having a credible free safety has done wonders for this team. And you're not going to sit there and go back and go, oh, man, how many plays does, does this guy make? But it's what he allows other guys to do. Uh, and, and and so far, he's been outstanding uh, playing, through, playing through pain with his heel. But, you know, it, that's clearly the best move uh, trade-wise that, uh, that, that Dorsey's made and, and, and – the Hyde move is not far off. Absolutely. Uh, guys, uh, Pete Smith on here, uh, you know, obviously breaking down today's uh, loss um, you know, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, speak on uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously the, the uh, debut of Nick Chubb. Getting to the defense here, big praises for Manny Ogba, the linebacking core with a not, nice solid week of work. The Locked On NFL Bat Podcast, guys, hold by Matt Williamson. Uh, very, very great show. Mondays, he has on host from the Locked On Network, uh, you know, obviously talking about the bigger games over the weekend. Uh, Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfels, you know, former NFL quarterback. Wednesdays, you get Mike Renner from PFF. Thursdays, you get Mike Sando from ESPN. Friday, Matt does his pick'em show. Uh, you know, always great, you know, killer killer schedule that Matt puts in week out, week out. So make sure uh, you're checking out the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, Pete, let's give me some closing thoughts here. Um, the first thing I do want to say is, guys, look, you know, we've been keeping track of this here, and but look, here it is still. Six out of seven games, you went wire to wire. Yes, last week got ugly. Six out of seven, and this isn't something that's gone on here in a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's 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 just hard. I mean, coming into this game, if you go just by looking at their snaps, and I wrote about this that that uh, Emmanuel or uh, not Ogba, although he's getting worked worked like a dog too since he's been back. Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi have already played basically two extra games. They're going to have an enormous snap total in this one again. 
that's going to bite them, bite this team. And at some point, the bottom's going to fall out, whether that's come in the form of an injury because of overuse or, or an injury because they're exhausted or just, you know, the body wears down because they're so overused and, and you're going to run into this. But there's a lot, I, I, you know, for all the things Greg Williams has done well, and he's done a lot to deserve, warrant credit, this is a enormous issue for him in that it feels like I'm get, this staff is going to get fired anyway. I might as well use up every single guy, sort of like a pitcher who you know for a team that traded him at the death. Like CC Sabathia when he got traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, and they put him out there seemingly every day and threw a thousand pitches because they said, "Screw it, we're not going to have him next year anyway. We might as well get everything out of him." And I hope I, I hope that that's not going to have long term ramifications, and that somehow that this is going to you know shorten the effectiveness of these guys or potentially put them in a situation where they you know an injury debilitates them and per, uh, potentially alters their career um greg williams may be the best coach on this staff right now which isn't saying much but this is a huge issue for him and 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 there's plenty to criticize with hugh jackson and todd haley in this one as always uh, well, Pete, hey, Pete, I guess what? I've got one for you, and this is a fresh one. Zach Jackson, and this is this probably came out about 15 minutes ago. Hugh says he might need to be involved more in the offensive decision-making. Pete, your thoughts? Oh, my God. The safest bet in football right now is Hugh Jackson. You knew this was going to happen. You knew it. They're 2-4-1. Two, two, Hugh, Hugh's going to Hugh. Yes. Well, look, and, and to some extent, you can't really blame him on this. You can't. And that you're saying <coughs> Hugh Jackson's like, I'm going to get fired. I might as well do it my way. And Todd Haley has been awful. He's been awful. Uh, and, and and saying, We're, I'm going to get more involved. This, And I think he sets up the effect of <coughs> my specialty. He's still going with this. His offense, I got to get in there. Look, you knew. Just fire Todd Haley first. Let's, let's not let's not pretend that, that he didn't just step all over another off another another assistant on a staff. Just fire him. Get it over with. This or is or you want to know? Or Todd Haley quit. Just Todd. Todd, take your own plane home. Don't even bother picking your shit up at your office. Just go. Just go. You don't want this life. Like if you ever needed the writing on the wall, and I think and I think the Carlos Hyde trade was part of this. If you believe that John Dorsey is like, I don't care what they want, and I'm getting, I'm getting something for, an, I'm getting an asset for a guy we weren't going to use next year anyway, and and basically said, look, you've got these two great running backs, freaking use them. Uh, that may have been a little sort of heading towards it, but nothing about this says stable situation. This all points to desperation. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna lose my job. As is Dirk Cutter, who fired his defensive coordinator before they beat the Browns this week. The, the, nothing about this says this team is headed in a good direction. It's just a question of rearranging the deck chairs while this thing goes down, enjoying Baker Mayfield while you as much as you can and all the things he's able to do, and he was a hell of a lot of fun enjoying this defense. They were a hell of a lot of fun. But this is where it's going, and you knew this was what's going. I, I, I'm sorry that the the the, the tinfoil hat people saying they're going to try to keep Hugh another year. Come on, come on, and, and let's let's be honest. They're they're going. They already were looking for coaches last year. They're probably looking for coaches right this second. This is where it's going, and it needs to go that way. They need to get everybody out of that building who has coached near their name, and get fresh. 
and get guys, sell this roster, use all these assets to say, come on, man, look how good this situation is. You're going to win here. You're going to win a lot here. You've got a great quarterback. You've got a great defense. All we've got to do is add some more pieces. You're going to just like if you're John Dorsey, you're saying just like I'm getting a ton of credit. I don't deserve, even though I do deserve some of it for turning it around. I, I, a lot of this is on the back of the, the previous guy. Look at all this credit I'm getting. You're going to get a ton of credit because you're going to win a bunch next year. You're going to look like a genius. Everybody's going to praise you and say you're the greatest thing ever. Look how sweet this job is. That's what's going to happen. And that's the thing. And the thing is, is what you need, I mean, it's not even the sexy stuff you have to do. You've got the defensive line. You've got the skilled players. Maybe you need one more. You've got your quarterback. I mean, you, you just, I mean, it, it, it's like a house. You need like a, like a refrigerator. You need maybe a washer and dryer, you know, with some offensive line, defensive line, more guys. And that's it. You're done. And, you know, and this place, it's, it's ready to explode. And the core of it is young. It's extremely, extremely young. So, you know, and, and but I saw it. I didn't want to bring it up. But I said, you know, I don't know what. Because I, I, I mean, every, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. I mean, you can't blame the rookie quarterback. You know, so I mean, at least he's at least he's gonna you know going back to something old, you know, and maybe that there was the one where he was on the sidelines today flipping through all them pages. Maybe it was like, all right, which excuse can I use? To, uh, I gotta go back to the offensive coordinator and I'll stick my head in the offensive meetings. Guys, it's the same shtick, you know. We, you know, and it's well over three years now. It's just getting played the hell out. Pete, it's always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you taking the time out for me. Guys, Pete, follow Pete Smith. Uh, all the work over at NFL Spin Zone puts a lot of tremendous work into it. Obviously, you know, uh, a lot of draft content you're going to get there. Um, hopefully, we're going to see Pete write a lot of work on tackles and defensive, interior defensive players and things of that nature because we need a little help there uh, to pretty this whole situation up. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, please always, guys, follow it. Keep it a follow-back account. We got it over 3,000 followers. I, I appreciate you all so much for that. Um, uh, myself personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd uh, follow me over there the show iTunes Stitcher uh, Google Play wherever it is that you may be listening to your podcast please go over there guys ratings and reviews please I you know love them they help the show they help the show grow they help bring new listeners in look somebody ain't listening and they should be make sure they are I do appreciate that and as far as everything you guys have, everyone who's reached out over the last 24 hours, it means an absolute ton to me. It really does. It made my day a lot easier sitting with family and actually my daughter ahead. And she's like, well, this thing's really going off. I said, all right, well, every one of these that come in, I said, hit the heart button. And she came over and she showed me the numbers. I, I mean, just absolutely amazing. And I appreciate it, everyone for taking the time out. Um, it, it's been a rough 24 hours. Uh, it's going to continue to be a little bit of a rough week. But coming on here, kind of a salvation where I can just kind of get away for everything. And look, you know, the football talk and the passion about it isn't going to stop right now. I mean, it's, just, it's just the way I'm wired, even though, you know, obviously I'm still a little hurting inside. Um, but fantastic on all your parts. Um, until we talk next time, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.